You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. The reading today comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. So that's Luke, chapter 11, starting at verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples came to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have your prayers been affected by the COVID pandemic? Are you praying more, praying less, or not sure how to pray at all? A McCrindle research survey in June last year asked Australians what they'd spent more time doing in lockdown and that they wanted to continue devoting that extra time to in the future. And 26% of Australians said that they had spent more time praying or on spiritual pursuits than they had before COVID. And they wanted to continue this in their lives. So apparently COVID was good for increased prayer. And as people reassessed their lives, they wanted this increased prayer to carry on post-COVID. Does that ring true for you? Keep in mind that this research is now over a year old and perhaps things have changed with the fatigue of extended lockdown. We're all in different places when it comes to praying. Maybe you're a new Christian and you don't know how to pray or what to pray for. Maybe you feel dry in your prayer life and you feel it needs revitalising in some way. Maybe you're going well but you want to grow more deeply in your prayer life. Whatever the case, prayer is something that lies at the heart of Christianity because at its core, being a Christian is about having a relationship with God through Jesus. And in a good relationship, we talk with the other person in the relationship. Prayer is about talking with God and growing in prayer helps us grow in our relationship with God. So we're starting a new series today called Teach Us to Pray, picking up the words spoken by Jesus' disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. They wanted to learn, they wanted to grow, and so they asked Jesus to teach them. And it's good for us also to sit under the teaching of Jesus and grow in our prayers. So over the next four weeks, we're looking at four passages, all from Luke's gospel, where Jesus teaches his disciples about prayer. So let's sit at Jesus' feet and learn from him. Let's have the same attitude as these disciples and say with them, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, So grab your Bible or your phone as we look at Luke 11, 1 to 4 together, and the simple model that Jesus gives us for prayer. Now, before we get to the words that Jesus gives us, first look at the practice of Jesus in verse 1. 
one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now, I know it's stating the obvious, but the first thing we learn about prayer from Jesus is that he prayed. He modelled prayer in his own life. Well, that's good. If we're to listen to Jesus' words about prayer, it's good to know that he practises what he preaches. And it's clear throughout the Gospels that Jesus regularly set aside time in his own life and prioritised the practice of prayer. Now, just pause for a second and think about how remarkable that is. Here in Jesus, we have God himself in human flesh, the greatest person who ever lived, the model human being, and someone who is self-assured and all-competent, and yet he prayed. Actually, as we watch Jesus on his knees in prayerful dependence and in intimate relationship with his heavenly Father, we see how humans are supposed to act. True humans recognise their utter dependence on God, their Father, and so they pray. So as followers of Jesus, as his disciples, people who model our lives on him, so too we should pray as Jesus prayed. So the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And Jesus says in verse 2, when you pray, say. The implication here is that this prayer that Jesus gives us is something that we can repeat. We can pray this prayer word for word. Say it, Jesus says. Now, there are some people who react against set prayers. As an Anglican church, we're used to liturgy or set prayers that we say together. But sometimes people think that it's inauthentic in some way. And it can be, can't it? We can get into patterns of repetition where we just mechanically repeat words, and that's unhelpful. But there's nothing wrong in itself with well-worded set prayers that we repeat, that we think about as we pray, and that we pray with a desire that God would answer these requests. And the Lord's Prayer is a great prayer to pray in this way and to learn off by heart as a pattern for prayer. We do it in each of our services for this reason. Interestingly, when Jesus introduces the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's Gospel, he says, pray like this, which implies that it's more of a model for structuring prayer rather than praying it word for word. Well, that's also really helpful, and that's how I often use this prayer. It's a, a scaffold or a structure for prayer where you can riff off and expand each line. So both approaches are helpful, and we should be free to do both. Now, the versions of the Lord's Prayer in Luke and Matthew are slightly different. Luke's version is a bit shorter. Uh, here on the screen now are the two prayers side by side so that you can see a few of the differences. They're not major and we shouldn't get caught up on the differences. Jesus probably taught this prayer on different occasions and said it slightly differently. 
It's clear from Matthew and Luke that the contexts are different, that there's different audiences and it's different days. What's striking, especially the prayer here in Luke, is how short and simple it is. Now, if you ask me, Tim, uh, we want you to write a model prayer. It'll be prayed by people for over 2,000 years across the entire world. Go for it. I imagine that I'd write a prayer which was much wordier than this one. You know, I'd be worried to leave stuff out. When I was finding a, a prayer for Afghanistan recently to share on our missions blog, I found a good one, but it was much longer than Jesus' prayer here. And that's just to pray about one situation in one country at one point in history. Jesus gives us a simple and compound prayer, showing that prayer doesn't have to be wordy or complicated. Short and sincere is much better. But it's not just short and simple, it's also deep and profound in the things that it addresses and focuses on. Uh, there's too much to unpack fully, but let's draw out some of the key thoughts. Firstly, who are we praying to? The prayer starts by focusing on God. God is addressed as Father, short, simple, intimate. God is a good and loving Heavenly Father who cares for us and wants to have a relationship with us. Prayer is about talking with your Heavenly Father. In Matthew's version of the prayer, it starts, Our Father in Heaven, which balances both the intimacy of a Father but also notes the glory and majesty of a heavenly father. In Luke, it's just father. But in what follows, the glory and majesty of God is implied too. Because the prayer starts by focusing not on us and our needs, but on God and his glory. What follows is two prayer requests focused on God. Firstly, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is such an archaic word these days. About the only time we use it is in the word Halloween, you know, spooky ghosts and lollies. But it comes from the word for holy. And to hallow something is to treat it as special and holy. So for God's name to be hallowed means for God's name to be respected and treated as special. But in the ancient world, a name was much more than a title. Someone's name represented their whole person and character. And so to pray, hallowed be your name, says to God that we desire for people to know his awesome character and to love and respect him as God. Now, when, I, when I'm praying through the Lord's Prayer as a, as a scaffold prayer, I riff off this line to name aspects of God's character that I love and am in awe of, his loving kindness, his creative power, his forgiveness, his justice, his sovereignty. I praise God for who he is and so hallow his name in my own life. But I also pray that other people would also know God for who he is and experience his amazing character in their own lives. The second request focuses on God, 
focused on God is your kingdom come. Now, this expresses a desire for God's rule and way of doing things to come true in the world. For God's kingdom to come means peace where there is war, reconciliation where there's broken relationship, love where there's hatred, justice where there's exploitation, forgiveness where there's bitterness. You can see how these two declarations relate to each other. If God's name is hallowed, people know the character of God. And if God's kingdom comes, people experience the blessing of God's loving rule. So when I riff on this line, it's a chance for me to pray for the world around us, for the troubled spots where there's violence, unrest and disease, and to pray that God's kingdom would come and transform these situations. It's a chance also to pray for people I know and love, that God's rule would be evident in their lives that God would transform their circumstances for his glory and for their good. We should be aware, though, that by praying for God's kingdom to come, that's a dangerous prayer to pray. You know, if we're asking God to bring his rule in the world, then we need to also be available for God to use us in that work. If we're praying for justice, we should also be acting justly. If we're praying for reconciliation, then we should be reconcilers in our relationships. If we're praying for peace, then we need to forgive and to not bear grudges. Prayer changes things. You know, God acts when we pray, but he also changes us as he transforms us according to the prayers we utter. The rest of the prayer contains three requests for ourselves, turning our attention from God and his glory to us and our daily needs. And we start with the most concrete and practical. Give us each day our daily bread. God cares about our bodies and not just about our souls. He knows that we need the basic necessities for survival. And so it's right that we ask him for them. Notice that this request here says each day and daily. It's emphasizing the ongoing nature of this request. That we ask God for just what we need for the day. And that we ask him for this each and every day. This is about expressing a daily dependence on God. And to acknowledge that all that we have comes from him. Now, this is key to our relationship with God. It's a relationship where we are dependent on God as the one who made us and sustains us. For this reason, I'm a huge fan of saying grace, saying a prayer before we eat. I know it can be another thing that we do by rote and it can become meaningless if we do it that way. But at its heart, it's about acknowledging that all that we have comes from God. This is a radical and countercultural act. As we ask God for food and thank God for food, we're saying this food that we're about to eat hasn't come primarily because of 
our hard work or our brilliance, but it's been provided by our loving Heavenly Father who cares for us. It's easy in an affluent society like ours to take our food for granted. We rarely go hungry and can usually easily provide our needs. But God is the creator of the world and he sustains it and us. Even the next breath that I breathe comes from God who gives life and breath to my body. Prayer is a chance to acknowledge that reality and to be thankful to God for his provision and express my dependence on him. And at the moment with COVID restrictions, there are lots of people struggling to put food on the table. As a church, we're now getting involved in three different food initiatives in our local area. A food pantry was installed at St. John's this week through partnership with Diamond Valley Community Support. Delivery of food hampers in partnership with Veronica's Pantry and the CFA. And encouraging volunteering at the Food Collective in Whittlesea in partnership with churches in that area. Again, if we're to pray for God to provide our daily bread, then we also need to be willing to share what food we have with those who are struggling to put bread on their tables. As God provides for us, we should be his hands and feet helping to provide for others. The next request in Jesus' prayer is, forgive us our sins. We turn from our physical needs, food for our bodies, to our most fundamental spiritual need, the forgiveness of our sins. The key purpose of Jesus' life, death and resurrection was to deal with human sin. The wrong things we do that separate us from God and break the relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so when we pray, we ask for God's forgiveness for our sins. As people who live after the death and resurrection of Jesus, we pray this prayer for forgiveness in complete confidence, knowing that Jesus has taken upon himself on the cross all our sins, and he's dealt with them so that we don't have to. Now, we don't ask God to forgive our sins with trepidation and fear, but with confidence and hope that we are forgiven in Jesus as we turn to him in trust. Remember again that prayer is about relationship with God, talking to him as a father. But we only have that relationship with God because of what Jesus has done by forgiving our sins and restoring the relationship. And so the regular confession of sins and asking for forgiveness reminds us of the basis that on the basis in which we have relationship with God. And it lays before God the things that damage and that undermine a good relationship with him. As forgiven people, we also need to be forgiving others. The prayer here highlights this in the words. For as we forgive other, everyone who sins against us. If we're going to pray to God to forgive our sins, then we need to be people who are willing to forgive others when they wrong us. Now, this is not always easy. In fact, it's not often easy. 
And sometimes people wrong us in such deep and powerful ways that forgiveness may take time and be a long process. But this prayer expresses an attitude that we want to be forgivers like God is a forgiver. And it expresses a commitment to work at forgiveness even when it's hard and even when it will take time. So when you're praying this prayer and you ask God to forgive your sins, pausing to name the areas where you fall short and need forgiveness, we should also pause and consider, are there people that I need to forgive? Am I holding a grudge against someone at school, at work, at home? Do I need to bring my resentment and unforgiveness before God and ask for his help to be a forgiver like he has forgiven me? And then the last request. And lead us not into temptation. This is the flip side of the prayer for forgiveness. In the past and in the present, we've fallen into temptation and sin. And so we've had to pray that God would forgive us. And so now we pray for the future, that God would guard and protect us from sin, that we would not fall into temptation. And so fail to love God with our whole heart that we wouldn't fall into temptation and so fail to love our neighbours as ourselves. Maybe you're especially aware of areas of weakness in your own life, areas where when tempted you often fail, situations that you find yourselves in where your desires overwhelm you and you sin. It's good as part of this request to name these areas of temptation before God and to prayerfully consider with God strategies that you could employ to guard against temptation. As I've been emphasising all through this talk, our prayers should shape our actions. We commit ourselves to God and ask for his help, but we also use the resources and abilities that God has given us to work for his glory and to model ourselves on the example of Jesus. We pray and we act. We act and we pray. And that should be our daily pattern as followers of Jesus. Using the prayer that he gave us as a model for our own priorities in prayer and growing our relationship with God every time that we pray. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.